Hello team and welcome back to Alt Marketing School. It's Fab here, founder and head teacher at the school. And today I am so excited because I'm introducing you to one of our amazing graduates. And this couldn't come at a better time because our next cohort of the certification is coming up really fast. And it's the last one of 2023. So for us to bring back one of our alumni is always an absolute pleasure. If you don't know who we're gonna to talk to today, I'm gonna to introduce you to the wonderful Rochelle Robertson. And we're gonna talk about everything from DEI, community, confidence in career, and so much more. We're gonna challenge your beliefs and hopefully teach you something new about the way that our privileges hold different weight and different currency. In case you don't know Rochelle, Rochelle spent her career working across charity, education, hospitality, and most recently, the advertising sector. She is also the founder of Ting, a personal and professional development platform for young people. And at the core of the work Rochelle does as this foundation in diversity and inclusion and creating access to people for who otherwise would be traditionally overlooked. In this episode, we bond over MTV nostalgia, discuss about how privileges that we hold weigh different currencies and even powerful lessons in building a community around you and how that affects us in the future. Rochelle is a dear friend of the school and one of the 2022 certification graduates. So it's always a pleasure to have her back with us. Without further ado, let's crack on and jump into this episode. So may today's class begin. We're just going to kind of get into the conversation because I'm really excited to have you here. So thank you for taking the time again. And I'm so excited because you've got lots of things already to talk to us about. So now I'm curious. Uh, obviously, <laughs> I will lead you some questions, but I know that then you will, we will go wherever the podcast leads us as always. Um, and it's a pleasure to catch up. You know, this is selfishly also a way for me to hear about what you've been up to, how have you been doing and how things have progressed. But before that, Rochelle, just, you know, for people that don't know you, I have a very important question that will actually help us yeah. set the tone and understand who you are. Rochelle, yeah. if you could choose one trivia category that you would be really good at, which one oh, would it be and why? I am so happy it wasn't the standard, who are you? Because that, that's just always harder to answer. Like, But this I can answer. So <laughs> if it was a random trivia subject, it would be... I know a lot about celebrity culture in general, and you can pick any celebrity. The first one that came into my mind was Britney Spears. Ask me anything, her birthday, I think I know. Like, I just know lots of random stuff. I know lots of random stuff about, like, a lot of celebrities because I just, I scroll endlessly and just, like, read stuff and deep dive and, like, watch, like, biographies from, like, back in the day. So I know a lot of random stuff about celebrities. So trivia would be celebrity, celebrity randomness. And you'd have another team. <laughs> if anything from like 90s pop culture comes our way, we know who to go to, which I really, really love. Um, yeah. So actually, then based on that, I have like, I was thinking about it actually. So I, I would have a question. Do you remember which club was Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake and Christina Aguilera part of when they were young? No. The Disney club. The Disney club. I'll yes! tell you, I know... <laughs> I know, like I can see the performances in my head as you're asking. <laughs> I'm like, I'm the Mickey Mouse Club is amazing. Oh, I love that. Um, 
Yeah, same. <laughs> I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. It's fine. And for anybody who's Gen Z, they probably lost us already about one minute and a half ago. So it's totally yeah. fine. We'll bring them back. We'll bring you back. But it's, you know, it's the thing is, though, when you think about it and you start realizing that this actually is becoming kind of like cool nostalgia, vintage conversations, that's what I feel like. Oh my God. Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God. And like, I suppose when it comes to all of that stuff, like back in the day, I spent a lot of time watching MTV growing up. And so there was always a documentary on their lives, right? On like Justin Timberlake and how he, and like you said, like the, the, the Mickey Mouse Club or the Disney Club or whatever, and how they all kind of formed together. And, and then how this person's career got started and that. And so like, there were all of these, if any Gen Z is interested in nostalgia, there's absolutely loads and loads of documentaries on MTV that you, on YouTube somewhere, I'm, I'm sure that you can go back and watch about the inception of everybody's career. Do you know what I mean? And it's all fascinating stuff. Everything makes so much sense when you go back into the archive. I love that. And you know what? It kind of made me also a tiny bit nostalgic. Um, I'm going to talk about nostalgia marketing in a second too, because it's actually the connection there. But it made me nostalgic about MTV. I was a huge MTV fan. I was 10 when I started watching it in Italy, but you know, and when I try to explain to people like the fascination and literally watching on rotation, the same Blondon Gang uh, and Limp Bizkit videos that would just come out and then NSYNC and then whoever it was, I think there was also a lot of like everything, like everything and anything would show and it would be just videos after videos and I absolutely loved it. So I'm with you. I would genuinely kind of consume so much at TRL, all that content, it was just my job. TRL, all of that. But I, I think the point you just made about watching the videos over and over again, what we didn't have that Gen Z have now is the ability to watch them whenever you want. So whenever it would mm. come on, it would do you know what I mean? It was like, oh, this NSYNC, bye 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 video I saw it in like two hours ago but now I'm going to be able to catch that dance move that I missed the last time so I'm going to watch it again you're going to pay attention this time because you only got three minutes to catch the thing so it's almost like we were all like had you know like I suppose in the night if you had like one time to make it in, in an audition or something it was almost like that but in our houses with the MTV <laughs> music you had one time to catch all the information all the things that you wanted to see um, until you had to wait, or you had to wait until the next time it kind of came on TV. If you didn't have a VCR, which is a whole different thing. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I think there's there's something quite beautiful in that as well. It's like you know you had more concentration. It's patient. true, actually, and what and what I'm thinking about as well is that what I love about about kind of how marketing works and how like storytelling works is that then. On top of that, I was thinking about, again, all that nostalgia and the fact that even just us talking about it for anybody who is a millennial and grew up in the, in the 90s, early 2000s, like ourselves, then you start remembering these things. And whenever you have conversations, whether it's our conversation, which we're just starting, but even if it's in marketing, if you're talking to your audience and you actually understand some of the things that make them tick, those kind of relatable things... It's such a powerful thing that we tend to forget about, regardless of the generation. You can go intergenerational and focus on different things that might be related to different generations, depending on what you're talking about. But I think sometimes we forget that these little things are are our fingertips at any time. And we're trying to kind of create sensational content when uh, sometimes what we want to see is somebody sharing a picture or or doing like a dance routine of Bye Bye Bye, which would be amazing. Because it's 20 years, by the way, since the song came out. So it would be very apt. (laughs) Yeah, Whoever wants to do it. Twenty years, the twenty years. 
that that this number is it throws me every single time because I'm not that old. What do you mean, twenty years ago? What do you mean? <laughs> well, what I was saying though, you still have a lot of wisdom. So actually, thank you so much, by the way, for playing with me and going down memory lane, everybody. If we still are here, dear listener. Well done. You either learned something new or you went down memory lane with us. So, yay. Um, <laughs> talking about, again, wisdom, uh, I would like to get into the classing session, which is our main side of the pod, where I ask you first to teach us something. So I would love to see if you can think about, bear with me, what you can teach us. What can you teach the listener, our watchers, our students in one minute or less? Obviously, you have a wealth of knowledge and information, whether it's DNI, whether it's the advertising space and the advertising world, or even just kind of your your own experience. But if you were to pick one thing that you can teach us in one minute, what would that be? This is the kind of thing you should prepare for. This this is random. What's coming to my mind is a diversity and inclusion thing. Um, and if I was to take one minute, I would talk about how our privileges that we all hold weigh different currencies. I don't think people know that everybody has privilege in their own way but each privilege kind of carries its own currency that makes sense i love that that's amazing so what if you wanted to elaborate on that for somebody who is very new to what you're trying to say or is trying to understand it better i love that and i i kind of get where you're coming from and i think i would love to kind of dive a bit deeper into it yeah so so okay so anybody who is like i suppose new to the um New to even hearing privilege in this kind of context, essentially um, people who spend a lot of time within working within diversity and inclusion often end up talking about privilege and how that shows up for people, um, particularly white men. If like if being completely honest, that's I suppose the people that are used as an example to explain what privilege looks like in the easiest sense, because it's really easy to be like, is what it is when when you're talking about white men but if we look at like if we're talking about for example heterosexual privilege as a result of being straight right because you have that as well you're able to walk in the world and not have to worry about um holding your partner's hand in public or doing certain things as a straight person that is a that's like a that is a layer of privilege that you carry even if you are a woman even if you are black even if you are have a disability or anything else right that's a layer of privilege that you get to kind of live by um, and it goes on and on and on there is i think everybody in in, this, in their own way has a privilege but i think where people kind of get lost in um people if people hear that and start to understand that they then start to disconnect from the part that they play within you know ignoring their privilege for example and i think that's where you have to understand it be or it would be wise or helpful for you to understand that actually also, even though we all have privileges, they all carry different currencies. So say, for example, if we're looking at, just to go back to like the white and male example that I gave at the very, very beginning, we have, we live, we we know, and we hopefully shouldn't have to over-explain that we live in a very like patriarchal society, a male-led society. And so that means that anybody who is male has a... um a heightened amount of privilege just by virtue of being a man, full stop, right? So male privilege carries very strong currency. And then if you add whiteness onto that, whiteness carries also a very strong privilege, right? So say, for example, um, anybody that has whiteness or maleness as part of their identity is walking with the strongest currency and privilege that you can ever have. 
Um, if you are a white woman, you have the whiteness, but gender-wise, you know, you, you present as a woman, which kind of, which obviously is a privilege in some in some senses, but not as strong as male privilege, right? If you are a black man, you have male privilege, which is super strong, but then you're of color, which means that your privilege in that sense isn't. So we're also we're always. I think it it would be advantageous for people to really sit and look at where their currency in their own privileges like prevails, like where is it strongest? Um, because we really have like it's, it's an opportunity for you to have a really honest conversation with yourself about where you can use your privilege to support others. I had, and now just, if this is now over a minute. <laughs> it's okay, I asked you to elaborate, it's fine. So yeah. we're, we're, we're gone with the, the minute, now we're kind of getting to the deep dive, it's fine, we're good. Okay, I'll give you another example. So this is, I would, this conversation took place um, last year, I think it was last year, but it wasn't too long ago, so it was the end of last year. And I had, had I was having a conversation with, um, a director at the company that I work at and um, like non-executive director so he doesn't work in the company he comes every now and then you see him whatever else and I was telling him about some issues that I was having and he said the thing is Michelle oh yeah contact he's white he's male and he's probably in his 60s I think that I think I'm gonna I hope I'm not adding age but he's probably in his 60s he's a bit older and he said um, the thing is Michelle you just need to um, do the thing and ask for permission afterwards you just gotta do what you want and just you know, what did they say? You ask for forgiveness, not for permission. I think that's yeah, great. Yeah, I heard that before. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, cool. And I sat with it for a bit. I felt a little bit uncomfortable, but I was like, sometimes you have to sit with it for a bit and be like, what is that about? And the wildest thing about this is that the same day I had another conversation with another older white man who said exactly the same thing to me. And, and this was within a two hour time frame that the same phrase was said by the same demographic of person. So the second time it was said to me, I said, I think I know what's going on here. I've just had two white old men tell me that I need to just do what I want and ask permission afterwards. And actually, they can. I can't. <laughs> if they do that, mm. then um, they they will have definitely less, um, what's the word, consequences for asking for permission than I would have because their maleness allows them to make more mistakes. Their whiteness allows them to make more mistakes. Their whiteness allows them the audacity and also does their maleness, but I don't have those privileges. Um, and so I said it, I said it, I just said it. I, at that point, I was like, I know what this is. So I said it to him, um, the second guy. And we we still talk about it every now and then. We reflect and talk about how he wasn't aware of what he was saying or whatever else. And it wasn't an issue. Like I didn't make him feel a way about it because I had the aha moment in the moment when I said it mm-hmm. to him. So, thing like that but um it's yeah that's just a way I suppose how when you have you know these privileges that you know way more than others you can just kind of exist in the world without kind of seeing how your privilege is because those you know those white males that I talked about they both are from very working class backgrounds so they're not like middle class rich guys they're like very working class but their class Privilege, their whiteness and their maleness supersedes their class. If that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wise. You know what I love that you mentioned that just to kind of put on a wider spectrum as well as the introspection element and that reflection element, which I was um, I'm in in my head. Part of me is already kind of thinking about it for myself as well. But is also I think if you go for a wider spectrum of then reflecting on how then, as you say, not just you re you take stock, but then when you give people advice, just like this final example. I can see myself also having made that mistake in the past, so kind of having that, that oversight, even just from a uh, from on a neurodivergent 
side of yeah. things, obviously, like, because I'm not neurodivergent, at least not, not that I know of. Um, and so obviously with that understanding, you know, I know that maybe the way that I would do things. So even as somebody who talks a lot about systems and productivity or shawna, the listener will know too, you know, it's important to also understand that different people will have kind of like the different needs. And I think it teaches you a bit also about the way that you communicate with people and like the way that you kind of share your experience and what has worked for you and some of the things also with the reminder that as you say like those kind of like big strong statements or blanket statements potentially can either you know not be applicable or not relevant or as you say be so so inherent to who you are and, and your experience or your privilege that a lot of people are completely unrelatable. And so, you know, I think it's it's an interesting thing about how we communicate and then again, having that reflection. And if it happens, then again, it also prompts you, I think, like you had with your with your boss or one of your bosses to have a conversation yeah. with others and be like, oh, yeah, I didn't realize that actually I was talking from a place of what I experienced, but so many people would not be able to experience this or do it this way. So I love that. Thank you for sharing because I think it really helps us also understanding how we live with others and talk to others. Can I just add something to that as well? <laughs> Bless you, raise your hand. <laughs> Little finger. You were gonna of course, add more. <laughs> um, I love what you just said. And when, when you talk about like not being neurodivergent and talking a lot about systems, because obviously I've done one of your courses, so I know that you do talk about systems and processes and this is what this is and this is what that is. Um, and I think, you know, anybody who is... Um, kind of I suppose just being themselves and talking about what they know and sharing and whatever else and teaching and guiding I think it's really it's really nice to ask the question where possible like um, like how does this sit with you like how do you reckon that you could use this in your day-to-day life like how would you use this in a way that works for you for example do you know what I mean so it's kind of like what you're not saying at that point is here's all of these tools and systems I've just given you in in the, in the context that you've just given me use them neurodivergent person it will work because it works for me it's like actually no this is all some stuff that I use and it's clearly helpful because you know I'm neurodivergent so it's like I can see everything that you've done and how it makes sense but my 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 job and my process is to figure out how how I can make it work for me so I just think yeah as like a question for anybody who is um, aware of their privileges and in a in a teaching or like in any in conversation or I don't know any type mm. of lots of ways in which I suppose this might come up for you is just to kind of ask the person like so yeah how do you feel about that like how does that show up for you like what how can you make this make more sense for you is there anything else I could do to make it make more sense for you do you know what I mean like I think that's, that's I love that question I really yeah. really love that question and it's something that again I'm talking about Another one of our graduates, spoiler, I think we're like, it probably comes out every so often in the pod today, but obviously Rochelle is one of our graduates as well. So from our first ever cohort, another graduate called Kat uh, Wildman, who we need to have on the show, so we will. Um, yeah. One of the things that she said multiple times in multiple chats that we had and hearing her speaking is that, you know, when you check the ego at the door and you appreciate that sometimes you poo-poo because you say something with the confidence and that, you know, and that, you know, it's that kind of sometimes that social media kind of confidence, I call it, where people are like, 
haiku statement on LinkedIn. Boom, yeah. super controversial. You know, sometimes you say that and actually realize that, as you say, you are, you are completely disregarding like the fact that there's individuality in the world. And it's kind of like a little bit of a check. So just to bring it into like the social media side of it or the marketing side of it, that's another thing. How do we communicate with our marketing? Sometimes we need to remember that, especially if we want to talk to our people, we need to genuinely talk to our people instead of just blank a statement because it's cool. Yeah. And then we just kind of drop the mic and walk off. Like yeah. you know, a nice swagger really kind of vibe. Yeah. <laughs> I love what we went there. I mean, it's funny because we've got at least five more questions in class and session. So I better, I better get on to the next one. But you know, this was a good one minute plus, 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 plus. So I love it. Thank you so much. Uh, (laughs) Now I want to talk about maybe something that is a bit more of a tactic or a strategy or a framework, but something that you learned from somebody else. So I kind of feel like like the, the example that you gave us was the reflection, but something maybe that is more about can be a framework, it can be a tactic, it can be a way of doing things that you learn from somebody else that really stood out or was really helpful for you that you would like to share and pass on. I'm smiling really hard because I have an example oh. from another white man. So this is going to be a thing coming through. And it's a tactic. And this was, and I had never thought about this before, um, but this one, I was working in a college years and years and years ago. And I was, um, he was my manager. So he was like looking at, I was looking at the, the common room area. He was my manager in that space. He, that was, so he came to me and he said, um, hey, Michelle, just let you know, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm going to be a head teacher at like some other place. And I was like, how do you go from winning a common room to being a head te- like that was just a bit of a jump for me in terms of career and um it was it was it was like a non-traditional school but it was still a head teacher role that's still a bit of a jump his background was also in the military as well so it was just a bit of a um so I asked the question because you know me I'm gonna ask the question like how are you doing this and he said um he said one thing about me is I just feel like if I read the job description and I can do 70 percent of the things and I can learn the rest I'll just apply for the job I'll just I'll just do it. And I had never considered that you could do that before. Like you could, if you don't, and then and now we know there's lots of studies that talk about women needing to meet 99% of the things before they apply. Um, and the thing that stuck out to me from what he said was that he trusts himself and that he's smart enough to figure out the stuff that he doesn't know. And I was like, that's really interesting. So I'm going to try, I'm going to try that. And that is something um, that I have taken from him. And I think, I have been able to kind of put myself in roles as a result of kind of like looking at a job description and being like, I know what that is, I know what that is. Um, not really sure what that is, but I can Google it, figure it out or ask some questions or whatever else. And it has worked for me. So I think if if, if that's the kind of thing you've been looking for tactic-wise, that is something mm. I've taken into my career. And I think as a Black woman <laughs> who is neurodivergent, who is working class, it has been really helpful for me because um you know you, like you literally have to grab everything that kind of like nothing comes to you like naturally you know like and there's a lot of people like that but like things are not handed to me that they have never really been handed to me about to kind of really grasp at things as I kind of seen that well that could be good that skill could be good that job could be good that course could be good let me take it do you know or let me put myself in that position to kind of take it so um that mindset or that tactic that he shared with me has always stuck. You know what? The, what I love about it as well is that I think, and you said it, but I'm going to kind of like 
power up yeah. a bit as well is the element of then something that you don't know but you still know that you want to learn about and as you say it's just that confidence to be like yeah okay I understand this and this and this this I understand but I haven't explored that as much but I'm gonna learn it as I go because I want to learn it anyway so right. I, I genuinely it's kind of interesting because that's how I always have seen things but then again my brain works in mysterious ways so if I found something that I didn't know I was like excellent I can learn it before I get there and that's just how my brain is wired. Again, overachiever type A kind of person. I'm like, ah, okay, I can figure it out. And that has been actually something that I can agree and attest because it's in my personal experience, even just from yeah. a getting clients perspective. So even if you think, well, what if I'm working with clients or working in like with partnerships, even, you know, talking to partners and people that like, we want to do this. So, you know, can you help us doing that? If you know that maybe you can, but now you, it's not something that you've done before, but you want to explore it. Yeah. It's a good chance for you to kind of push yourself a bit out there and experience something new. So I think it's yeah. a really good practice is because I also definitely agree on the flip side, despite my type A, I st- when I started applying for jobs again, I would do the same thing. I would be like, can I do exactly everything that is mentioned in here? And I think now also jobs look a bit different, but 15 almost years ago, especially in the marketing world, they were very different. Like you felt literally like for a junior position, you had to be a 40 year experienced marketer. And I was like, how can I know how to do all these things? Is the first job I ever have. So, you know, thankfully things have shifted a bit, but I can definitely see that if you're new and you're coming in, there's so many high expectations, which I think is also a bit skewed, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, They ask you so much. And if you were to take all the boxes, you weren't taking a junior position. You would be a manager, baby. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. I love that. I think for me as well, the other thing that is was really powerful to me I suppose from what he said and when I took it on for myself was like trusting in your in your ability to smart be smart enough to learn mm. you know I think there's also a confidence thing sometimes where you're like could I learn that thing and it's like like do you trust your brain <laughs> like do you think you're smart because if you think you're smart you absolutely can learn that thing so yeah have you heard of the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset as a concept. I have. Yeah, mm. I have, yeah. Yeah. So it's more like growth, isn't it, than fix, I think. Exactly, exactly. Just for any listener who's kind of like kind of dotting yeah. in the little heads, be like wood. Um, so the difference between the growth and the fixed mindset is really about the fact that within the fixed mindset you think that if you don't know something or if you have it's kind of you have to read it in different ways, but it's almost like, you know, when people say that you're really gifted at school, like talking about education again, or like, you know, yeah. that you are very talented in a way, even if they try to do it without, again, talking about talking without thinking, right? But you can actually input some kind of fixed mindset into people. It's like, I'm always going to be that smart or I'm always not going to be smart enough. Mm-hmm. And that is a really problematic um, then trait or even like mind mindset, I guess, and thinking that then you can bring into later in your life. So you're like, well, I'm not smart enough to be able to learn this. So the growth mindset is something that if sadly, when you are younger, you're not kind of brought up to see or to experience, you have to unlearn, yeah. <laughs> yeah. unlearn the fixed mindset and open yourself up to the possibility of actually try yeah. something new. So if you are listening to me Michelle, uh, and Rochelle and you're like, oh, I don't think I can I also want you to know that sometimes society in the way that we are brought up actually can stop us from that because of that fixed yeah. mindset kind of mentality that is really hard to yeah. stick yeah and also just to add just to add on because you're absolutely right there there's also the self-fulfilling prophecy as well which mm. is 
taught when you're told that you can't do something and you start to believe that it's literally the same thing as what you said so it's kind of like yeah mindset but also you then put yourself in situations that repeat the things that you've been told so you're like reaffirming the things that you were told that you're unable to do you know so um so yeah man there's a lot of there's there's so much going against you all of the time there's literally this world is really hard to navigate and and going back to the privilege conversation it's like some of the stuff is systemic as well so it's really really difficult for you to to stay on top of things like mindset is so important because the stronger um or the more tools you have in terms of your mindset to kind of supersede things they become easier not completely easy and the systemic issues do not go away but it becomes easier for you to kind of like put yourself out there at least you know and then you just need to develop, I love that you need to develop resilience which is another conversation for another day <laughs> <laughs> we've got so many conversations for so many days now <laughs> they're just piling up this is dangerous this is good and dangerous at the same time um before I get actually into the next question I do want to ask if you could Explain just for anybody. I'm always really mindful that I want I want especially people to take action, and with such an important topic, I also know that there are some listeners that might not be fully up to speed. Systemic. I think this is really what systemic issues. If you could explain it a bit more, just in case somebody's like, I think I understand, but yeah. I'm not sure if I heard this before. I would love for you to explain that. I just want to make sure. Yes, sorry. yes. When you work in a DNI space, you just say things and you just expect people to. <gasps> Same with marketing and everywhere else, you know, and you're talking about KPIs and people are like, what? So that's why I thought it would be good to explain so that kind of, you know, our yeah. listeners get a proper grasp of what this is about. So when I talk about, or when people talk about systemic issues, they're talking about issues that affect people because they are part of the societal systems that we live in. So there are, um, structures and policies and things that are put into place at like a government level um hundreds of years ago and like 50 years ago and 20 years ago like a long like long times a long time ago that has impacted the way in which people are able to live their lives um let me give you an example so there are so many examples i'm trying to think of one that could be relevant to uh, like the demographic of the people that are listening um okay the one that keeps coming into my head is the one around um like black families or black people in the in america like not being able to like get mortgages um and or in certain areas not being able to buy houses right so you so for example it's like you go to the bank the bank manager says you say you want a mortgage for a house the bank manager looks at your credit score it's fine but you get denied a mortgage right so on a systemic level even if you have the money and your credit is okay, you're unable to get the mortgage because of the color of your skin. And literally that's that's the reason. That's one person in the bank who's using the privilege that they have as the bank person, the manager, knowing that their manager is not going to disagree with what they've said and the head of the bank is not going to disagree. And they've got the power all the way up to the top to kind of um, stop you from being able to get the mortgage to buy the house. The second thing would look like we can give you a mortgage, but not for like not for this much and not in this area. So that means that they keep saying areas 
within America or the UK, I mean, not necessarily the UK, actually, let me take that out, um, completely white because you're not like the system, the powers that be in terms of like the local governors or politicians want to ensure that certain areas are kept mostly white. So those schools in those areas stay white. So the prices of the houses stay up. So do you know what I mean? So it's not, I think when um, we talk about things like racism, um, it exists on so many different levels. You know, there, are, there is literally the case of person A being mean to person B and using mean words and all of that stuff. But there's also like the real systemic stuff is like not being able to go into the hospital. In the UK, it looks like black women having like um, a higher mortality rate in childbirth than, than white mm. women. Um, five times more likely to die in childbirth. It's a systemic issue. It looks like there's literally textbooks um that doctors have been like trained on talking about how different races feel pain differently like that's not factual information right so if doctors for years and years and years have been reading these textbooks whilst they're studying to be doctors that black women don't feel pain in the same way we have a higher threshold for pain and when a black woman goes in and talks about pain in the like these are systemic issues there they're issues that are fed into the system that are reinforced in the system that are upheld by the system and the system being healthcare, policing, housing, education, like the system. So when we say systemic issues, um, and I talk about privilege, and I talk about mindset, I'm very aware that my mindset has helped me get to places in spite of the systemic issues that come up against me. Oh, thank you so much for explaining. Thank you so much. I just think it gives also, I love how they give us some practical examples so they can, yeah. can put it into also like people's heads of how we, you know, how you might have seen it or even firsthand experienced it uh, in your everyday yeah. life. So I love that. Um, talking about yourself again. So going back to, to you now, uh, I want to know, we talked about unlearning on per se as we were kind of covering our tactic uh, yeah. and something there again, one of your bosses, one of your colleagues told you again, I would love to learn or know about something that you have unlearned. That's the one recently. So Rochelle, is there anything that you have unlearned recently that has made the quality of your life or even work better? Oh, this is a very deep question. <laughs> I know. What well, what can you expect? You're coming into the pod. You should know. But I'm like, I'm unlearning every day. I'm having aha moments all of the time. Um best way to be. That's what I say. Does it have to be work related? Can be life related too. Totally fine. Okay. In terms of life related, I have I have one that's life related that I've been thinking about for like the past six months. And it's the um it's the kind of it's like the aspect of community and how communities show up. I'm literally I was literally reading a book about it today. How um community can show up for you as like an individual. I think especially it's okay, so this let me let me slow my brain down because my brain is firing now and I want to say all the things I just read two hours ago in my book. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. book were you reading then? I wanna know. It's called All About Love by Bell Hooks. Do I have it in this bag? I might have it in this bag. Just a second. I'll show you. I've got it right here. So can do a little bit. Of a look at that. Love it. Yeah. So I was reading this today and I conveniently read um, a chapter about community. And the point she was making, and it was so true, is that if we go back to privilege again and we talk about, it always comes back to privilege and it always comes back to this in my world anyway. Um, but like this kind of like patriarchal setup in society, it looks like the man being the head of the household and like the um, the nuclear family, right? And this kind of like man, woman, mostly, most likely two children probably. Um, and like that being the unit 
and the more western you get I suppose um you tend to like I don't know say for example you've moved out of the area because you've made a little bit money and you want to move to a nice area you tend to kind of move out of locality to the community aunties grandparents whoever whoever right and so it ends up just being the household that you have your mom, your dad, your, your siblings, right? And she talks about how how much abuse can take place in these types of environments just because there's no extra people on the outside having a look in. And like you hear, you would have heard about this, like lots of people talk about that one teacher that said that thing that's inspired them or that auntie that said that thing or that godparent or that this or that, that. And that's all community that kind of surrounds you. So I think communities, I know community is really, really important. And I, and I am now starting to understand that it's actually natural for us to want to, for us to need to actually be like raised in and thrive within communities that are not so nuclear and shut down. Because like I said, if you're, you know, there are some people that this does not apply to at all, but there are lots of people that probably can listen to this and think of actually, yeah, it was just the four of us in my house or the three of us. And it really wasn't. And we didn't, my mum didn't really have any friends and neither did my dad. And actually it was quite toxic because it was just three people like in this space. So there's that part. And then, and also there was, there was just to finish that thought, three people in this space and there was not any outside factors that were able to kind of like come in and um kind of like shake the energy at any time because it, there was it wasn't allowed um and then the second part to that is i do think there's so much of us now especially as um from the pandemic that have moved out of london moved out of the uk are moving all around and finding ourselves as solo people at you know in other parts of the world and needed to think about what community looks like for us again because you know if you are a person who's lived in your hometown your whole life and all of a sudden decided to move to put like Lisbon like the rest of the world or like Amsterdam or whatever else and now you're by yourself again um we need to we, we're not supposed to live by ourselves I mean we need to kind of like firstly know like how to live in community what that looks like what we need from community how we trust in community how we build it and I think that's just something that I'm really passionate it's just I've been thinking about it for a while and I just I'm really passionate about it so so I've unlearned you know that phrase um I was born alone and I'll die alone. That's one that really like gets to me at times. The other one is like, I'll sleep and I'm dead. It's very much so individualistic. Like I'm by myself. Like I do things by myself. And I think it comes from a place of pain. You know, a lot of us have been hurt. But I do think um, like if you find and if you're able to find the right community, it, it could change your life and it doesn't have to be it can be it could be literally anything that you want that's the most beautiful thing about it I'll end on saying because I have so much that's coming to me now <laughs> if anybody has um watched the film Paris is Burning have, do you know what the, this film Paris is Burning mm-hmm. yeah the film about the um the LGBTQ community in the 80s in New York and they kind of set up the dance, the, the the ballroom scene in New York, right? And I love watching that film. I think I need to go back and watch it, but it's such a potent example from what I'm explaining because there were lots of late 70s, early 80s um, men that were kicked out of their houses because they were gay and ended up in these like ballroom communities with these mothers like that were like essentially like ballroom dancers. Um, and created these communities in those spaces, right? And those were the spaces where they could be who they needed to be. So when I say you can create a community for however you want to feel and be a part of the community for however you want to feel, like these communities 
um, saved people, like literally saved people. I think it's just one of the most beautiful. I, I can, like, as a straight person, like, I'm obsessed with ballroom. And I'm obsessed with, the dancing is incredible, but also I'm just obsessed with how the community were formed and probably are still formed to this day for some part. Um, and how a lot of people found safety and solace, especially in the AIDS epidemic back then. So, yeah, community is something I've had to I've had to unlearn that you're supposed, you know you just do like the nuclear family and live by yourself and just you know you're by yourself. I think it's a very Western way of being. I think we're supposed to be in community, and I think it's a beautiful thing. I love that. I mean, second in there, plus one in there, high five in there, all the good things to that because. I'm all about that as well. Like, you know, yeah. kind of coming together is a wonderful thing. And the thing is that like, you can do it in so many ways and just by showing up. And as you say, like in whichever way we want to do it, we can actually build communities around us. If we cannot find one that works for us. Yeah. And I think that's a very yeah. powerful thing too. Um, Rochelle, it's time for quick fire. We're ready? I'm ready. I okay, you've got to choose one of these. <laughs> <laughs> is it going to be a quick fire? We'll see. Okay. <laughs> it's okay you only have to choose one thing you know one or two things so it's fine i'm gonna give you two options to choose the one that you're gonna keep okay okay ready yeah we start with spotify playlist or podcast spotify playlist i, I kind of knew that <laughs> i can see uh voice note or text voice note you can tell i got it i can't be texted <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Love it, like best invention ever. Um, carousels or reels? Carousels. I can't bear editing a reel. I really need to get into it though. But I'd rather just stick a bunch of posts up and then just write a caption. <laughs> what about consuming? Would you consume carousels more or reels? I consume reels. I don't mind watching mm. other people's reels. I don't want to edit them myself. <laughs> I want. That's that's fair. I. I I can I resonate a tiny bit. I resonate a tiny bit with that one. Uh, TikTok or YouTube? Interesting. Love TikTok. It's my favorite new thing. However, I've recently done just deleted all my social media and I've gone back to YouTube and I'm really enjoying long form content again. I mm. do love TikTok. I, I love that it's like, I feel like my brain is scattered once I've had a TikTok session because it's like 30 seconds, one minute. Da, da, da. So yeah. I would choose TikTok for the purpose of this. I'll choose TikTok, but I do love YouTube. Love it. It's kind of like just giving, giving YouTube the upper hand as well. I like it. Uh, newsletter yeah. or Twitter? Twitter. Nice. Last but not least, the most important, if any, memes or GIFs? I say memes. You say memes. <laughs> I know that's a hard one. <laughs> I don't really like to hard. ask it though. With the GIF, you get the motion, like you get to see the motion. But with the meme, it's like the picture and like the face says everything you need it to say, if it's a face. Right? And it's that relatability as well. You're like, oh, yeah, I can see that. You know, I think it's that kind of, and it's called, I call it the inside joke effect, which we talked about actually in the certification as well. It's just kind of that relatability yeah. that comes from telling people something that they know and it becomes that kind of secret language. A bit like community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I have just a few more questions. There, these are, again, quick ones before before we leave before we depart the first one is what is the last picture that you took on your phone Rochelle the last picture that I took on my phone was of the scenery today I think it was just literally the blue sky I don't know if you want me to show you that the picture oh no it was it was off my knees can you see (laughs) knees and sky I like it sausage legs and the sky (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, I, I, to me, is the signification of summer. I know it's not summer yet, but when I see that, I'm like, oh, you know, like summer has come. We've got our little sausage legs and all these things. That's how I see it. Now, you talked about TikTok as being like, you know, your kind of favorite platform at the moment. So I would love to ask you, was one person that we should follow on the platform if we were to follow one person? Love this question. And yes, and his name is Keith Lee. You know who he is? Keith Lee. I think so. He started posting food reviews in November and has now got like 15 million followers on YouTube on TikTok. And what he wow. does, he just he's, he lives in Las Vegas. He goes to the um, restaurant. So simple. He buys the food. He reviews the food out of 10. Oh, yeah, I think I know. His reactions, like I watch him eat everything and I'm like, what's he going to say? I'm never going to go to this restaurant. <laughs> but I'm obsessed with watching him eat this food and rate it from 1 to 10. Um, and he talks about the customer service. He talks about everything. And then um, what happens is, why I love his um, TikTok so much is that people trust him because he tells the truth. There's this thing, is it called anti-influencing or de-influencing? Have you heard of it? Yeah, de-influencing, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell the truth about something. And then that yeah, exactly. I read him like, oh, I could actually do that. Right? But anyways, yeah, so he tells us about the stuff. What happens is people go to these restaurants, try the food, love it. And then the restaurants like just get booked out and there's like queues around. So he's like, it's got this thing called the Keithley effect where if he goes to like, well, he might even go to like a chain restaurant. He'll go to a Chipotle and he'll say, you need to order this when you go to the Chipotle. And it's just a random mix match of food. People will do mm-hmm. that out so i really love him he's very wholesome his family's very wholesome i love his reactions i like the way how he structures his videos i love his editing um, and i love that he tells the truth he's a good guy that's great actually excellent recommendation as well i love to give us a bit of also like some of the whys which all tick my boxes so i need, I, I heard of him but i haven't properly checked him out so i'm gonna go and do that rochelle before i ask you to just tell us where we can find out more about you and all the wonderful things that you are up to um i would love to ask you one more question which is since you have been taking our certification you've been part of of the family you've kind of experienced what we're about if you could choose one word to describe all marketing school what would it be i want to say enlightening and for me why is that enlightening because back to the whole kind of like if you don't know something you could just gotta figure out whether your brain can figure it out like can you learn it i'm not a market like i work in marketing but i am i am the people and culture person right I don't do marketing so when I kind of came into the course and the things that I learned it was in, it was incredibly enlightening um the information that I learned and also the fact that like I was like I can do this like this is something I can actually do like it makes sense like it wasn't it didn't feel like rocket science like over my head like something that wasn't attainable for somebody like me who doesn't directly work within marketing so it was enlightening, I suppose, for my confidence as well. Like, oh, yeah, I can do this. Like, I've got this. And when I'm ready to relaunch, <laughs> then I'll be able to take everything that I've learned and, and, and um, use it to kind of market myself. So, yeah, enlightening. It was really good. Thank you. And you know what I love that you said? That actually is not rocket science. And I think it's something that reminds us that at the end of the day, it's something that our friend Jeremy and said a few times also on the show, episode one for one, I believe everybody. Great marketing is, you know, doesn't feel like marketing. Good marketing is genuinely just us spending time learning what people love and building good relationships with yeah. them. That's a mm-hmm. lot of what it is. And when you put it that way, it feels a lot better, a lot easier and a lot less, uh, you know, there's less friction to actually kind of go out there and, and share 
the, all the good things that you want to share. So thank you so much for sharing that. Now we're talking about relaunching. We're talking about potentially kind of getting back on the saddle. Tell us a bit more about how can I find more about you? And if our listeners have any questions or want to find out more, where should they go? Yeah, so the best place at the moment is Instagram. So my Instagram is I am Rochelle Robertson. Um, LinkedIn is Rochelle Robertson. Um, those are the two places mostly that I'm kind of contactable by. Um, and I'm I'm a, I do, I'm a person who responds to DMs, so you can just literally, if you have any questions, DM me um, on either of those places. Thank you so much again for being with us today. It has been an absolute pleasure. And thank you for answering all the questions and also for us to go even beyond that, which I'm always excited about. As always, we'll be back next time with more goodness and inspiration and all the good things. But for now, class is missed. Mm-hmm.